Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. So today we're going to continue in our series, Stewarding the Soul. Uh, We launched out on this series a couple of weeks ago, um, and we talked about tending the heart as a part of stewarding our inner man. We tend our hearts, our uh, inner being, and then last week we had an amazing Mother's Day message by Pastor Lisa. Uh, Just awesome word from her. And so appreciative for that. And today we're going to resume uh, this series, Stewarding the Soul. And we're going to be talking about tending the hands. Tending the hands. Last time we talked about tending the heart. And today we're going to be talking about tending the hands. And as we talk about tending the hands, what we're actually talking about is that what's on the inside of you will eventually manifest itself on the outside of you. Correction. What's on the inside of you should manifest itself on the outside of you in some form. And we have all been given a gift from the Lord. There's there's a unique talent. There's a unique skill set that God has vested in each one of you. And that needs to find its way out in physical expression in some way. Amen? So, well, here's some good news for you this morning. And that is that you are unique. You are unique. Now, I know some of you are sitting next to your neighbor right now, and you're thinking, thank God that there's only one of this person beside of me, right? No, you're not thinking that. You wouldn't think that at all. So there is not another you in the whole world. It's just one of you. Just one of you. Listen to the psalmist. Psalm 139, 13 says this, For you created my inmost being, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. From before the foundation of the world, God had a grand design. And you say, yes, pastor, we've heard the creation account before. We know, you know, that all the things that are in the book of Revelation, we know how God's prophetic timetable is unfolding. No, 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 no. That is in the grand scheme of things. We understand that. But you, you as an an individual, at, at one point, you were a desire, you were a dream in the heart of God. And God knit you together. In your mother's womb, a unique creation. There's never been one of you before. There'll never be one of you again. You are the only you, and you are here on this earth for such a time as this. For right now. God God has crafted and blueprinted your life with a master plan in mind. And not only did God determine your physical attributes, your, your looks, your stature, the color of your eyes, he also invested in you certain physical abilities and, and well, spiritual attributes that are unique to you as well. These, these physical abilities and these spiritual attributes that are we're talking about this morning, they're what we often hear referred to in Christian circles as your gift or your gifting. God designed you, knit you together, 
blueprinted your life and bestowed upon you, vested in you, certain gifts. And your gifts are a part of God's creation in your life that are unique to you. And let me, let me just extrapolate that for a minute. You, see, you say, well, Pastor, I, I don't really have any talent that's unique to me. I can do some things, but some of the things that I can do, so can other people. Okay? There, there may be folks around you who share some of the same skills and talents, but have you ever noticed that they often do those same things in very different ways? They'll do those same things in, in very different ways because in God's perfect plan, he paired a certain gifting with certain attitudes and personalities, bents, and tendencies to create a very unique you. Can I tell you today that nobody can do you the way that you do you? Nobody. And can I tell you something else? For those of you that are maybe struggling, for those of you that maybe have your eye on the perfect life as it's blueprinted out on social media, as we watch the thumbnail sketches of people's highlight reel go by, that you can't do anybody else as well as you can do you. So do you. Amen? Do you. Did you, did you ever watch some of those, uh, some of those shows that had a popular cast member? I can remember sometimes in my life I'd be watching this program and there was this, there was this really prominent character and it was played by this really popular person. And when it came time in the, in the episode for the camera to pan over to that person, the camera would kind of swing around and they'd show that person, they'd stand there real still for a few minutes looking all dapper and everything. And all of a sudden this voiceover would come over today and say, well, the part of this person is being played today by and they would announce the substitution of the person who was playing that part. It would be the same today if, if we were to look around this room and, and let's, say, let's say just for sake of argument here and illustration that Randy here <clears throat> had been watching Richard. Richard is real big on Instagram if y'all didn't know it. Right? Do you know what Instagram is? Okay, I did, yeah. Okay. But Randy here's been watching Richard on Instagram, and he's really enthralled and enamored with Richard's life, and he says, hey, I want to be like Richard. And he begins to take on the traits and the characteristics as best he can, and he mimics what he sees Richard doing, and that voiceover would come and say, today the part of Richard Reeves is being played by Randy Adams. Life doesn't work that way. That's not the way it's supposed to be. There's, there's not supposed to be any voiceover announcements in our lives announcing the part that we're playing today because God has created you, God has fashioned you, God knits you together in your mother's womb with certain personality traits, bents and characteristics and talents and skills that make you uniquely you and only you can do you. Yeah. The psalmist said, I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Nobody can do you like you, own you, do you, rock you. Nobody else can do you like you. There are 
There are people, however, whom God has gifted like as communicators. You say, well, that person's a really gifted communicator. Well, there are a lot of gifted communicators in the world. But some people are really gifted, and because of their bent and their personalities, they are really gifted communicators to speak to the kids' church. And there are some who can really, really, really connect with the middle school and high school students. And they've got a word for them, and they are able to speak into their lives. And there are others who can just speak to the heart of a woman. And there are people that can speak to the heart of business people. Are they all gifted? Do they all have the gift of being a communicator? Yes, they do. But because of how God created them and how God designed them, they're still very different and very unique. Very unique. God has gifted people in a variety of ways for a variety of purposes. There are people who have administrative gifts, and because of their personalities, their administrative gifts may uh, manifest in different ways. You know, some people, because of their personalities and their temperament, they're very good with organizing people. They can manage people. They love people. They like to be around people. They thrive among the people. And you, you put them in a situation where they're managing people, man, they are on fire. And some people, because of a very different personality and temperament, have an administrative gift and, and they can write policies and procedure manuals and they can budget like nobody's business and they can streamline processes and they can spot organizational problems, but you don't want them to be around people. Like you wouldn't want to put them in charge of other people. It doesn't mean that one's better than the other necessarily. It just means that they're different and that we all have places and and parts where we fit in uniquely that God has designed us for such a time as this to be there and to serve there. Now, sometimes in church, I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but oftentimes in church circles, we can tend to grossly overcomplicate things. Because as I begin talking to you this morning about your gifts, your gifts from the Lord, you may be sitting here thinking to yourself, well, you know what, I have heard this deal about the gifts and stuff for so long, and I've tried to figure it out, and I've prayed about it, and I've sought the Lord about it, and you know what, I just can't figure out what my gift is. And you know, the truth of the matter is there are a lot of people who are trying to figure out their gift who are operating in their gift every day. They just don't recognize it as such. They just don't understand it. You know, we've made spiritual gifts, even ministry gifts, to be very mysterious and something that's hard to figure out. And if you've ever wrestled within yourself trying to figure it out as if you haven't come up with anything else and you just felt like you weren't spiritual enough to fit the bill, maybe you're looking in the wrong place. Some of you have even thought that you might need the, the help of a prophet to speak into your life to identify your gift. I, I want to simplify things for you this morning, and I love this quote. I shared it a couple of Wednesday nights ago in our Wednesday night Bible study, but it's a quote from Pastor James McDonald, and I believe it brings the idea of God's gift to the most attainable level of, for our understanding. And that is this. Every follower of Jesus Christ has been given a gift. And your gift 
is your supernatural enablement to make a difference in this world. I want to read that one more time. Every follower of Jesus Christ has been given a gift, and your gift is your supernatural enablement to make a difference in this world. Now, the truth of the matter is that sometimes, as I said, we're often operating in our gift, and we don't even recognize it. And because we don't recognize it, we become discouraged. We just feel like there's no place of ministry for us, no, no place that we belong, no operation, no function into which we fit. And the truth of the matter is that the church is full, not just this church, but the church as a whole is full of people who God has vested awesome talents and abilities and gifts in, and you're sitting on them. You're sitting on them, because you haven't recognized that as God's creation in your life. How many of you are good at something? Oh, come on. Everybody's good at something. And you say, well, Pastor, I just don't say it. Listen. God was able to take the lunch of a little boy and feed a multitude. And maybe that thing that you're good at seems as insignificant as a little boy's lunch pail before a multitude. But I want to tell you this morning, if you will yield your life and your talent and your unique created being to God, God can accomplish much through your life. I would further add to that that God wants to accomplish much through your life. He doesn't want you to show up one day with your simple single talent and say, Lord, here's what you gave to me, and I'm giving it back to you. No, he wants you to show up with the multiplied harvest where you invested your talent, you invested what God gave you, and you realized the return of eternal worth and value because you allowed yourself to be invested in the kingdom work. Now, let me hasten to add this, that some gifts are seasonal. I was just having this conversation with one of our precious elder saints here from the church just a couple of weeks ago, and just talking about how life changes. Life is seasonal. There are things that, as you were younger, that you were able to do that maybe you're not able to do anymore. You know, maybe, maybe there was a time and a season in your life when you could just rock the children's ministry, but, you know, as time has wore on, you may have found out that you don't have the energy. You may not have the patience. And that season is gone. And maybe the season of vigor and vitality that you once knew that, that caused you to work yourself to pieces, maybe that's gone as well. But I want to tell you, as long as God has breath in your body, He has a purpose for your life. And if it's nothing more than to whisper the name of the leadership of your church in prayer, if it's nothing more than to raise a prayer of petition to God for Him to save the lost in your community, then that's what it is in this season. And I'm telling you, you need to use it for the glory of God. Here's the thing. We've talked a lot about our gift this morning. But can I tell you this, that your gift is not yours to keep. 
Your gift is not yours to keep. It's not for your own delight. You know, I know some people that are insanely talented. Just How many of you know some people, they're so talented they make you sick? Come on, just let's be honest. We all know some people like they are so talented, they almost make you want to barf, man. I mean, it's like they can, they just touch something. You could work at it and work at it and work at it and never be good at it. And they touch it once and all of a sudden they're a prodigy. Just doing it, whatever it is. Tearing it up. And you know, if you're, if you're that kind of person, let me tell you this, that gift is not for you to brag about. It's not for you to be conceited about. You know, I watched Sean this morning drumming. And if, if you can't be happy about worshiping the Lord, watch Sean. Okay, I mean, if you're ever in here and you're just like, huh. I mean, watch Sean. Man, I love Jesus. God didn't give you an insane amount of talent or any talents for that matter just so you could win a popularity contest. He didn't give it to you for your ego. He didn't give it to you solely for you to provide for yourself, although that's part of the grace of God's gift in your lives. But he gave it to you the same way that he imparted it to Sean so that as you're exercising your gift, as you're allowing yourself to be used by the Lord, you're encouraging and you're edifying others. You see, Sean's giving his gift in service on Sunday morning and, and we receive, we're recipients of that. So is the rest of our worship team here. So are our children's workers, our nursery workers. Hey, man, let me tell you something. If you serve in the nursery, thank you. If you serve in the parking lot, thank you. We had a we had a new guest a couple of weeks ago that came in and said, I have never been served by a greeting committee the way that I've been served today. Thank you. Give it away. Give it away. If you're checking in kids at the check-in counter, give it away. Give that gift of hospitality. If you're administrating things, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Give it away. Do you have an administrative gift? God wants to use it. Do you have a keen business sense? God wants to use that. Do you have a heart of servitude for your family, fellow man? God wants to use that. Do you have a burden of intercessory prayer? God wants to use that. God wants to use you if you have an ability to have gospel-centered conversations with other people. Do you have the gift of hospitality? Are you great with kids? Are you great with teens? Is there a special place in your heart for those that are less fortunate? God wants to use that. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. See, God gave us our gifts as a means by which to glorify Him in our lives. You know, it's, it's easy to, uh, too often to default that the default idea of our, 
I'm sorry, let me stop that right here. You ever try to say something, you just feel like Porky Pig all of a sudden? (laughs) It's easy and too often the default that our idea of glorifying God is just what we do in here on Sunday morning. In our minds, glorifying God is when our hands are stretched towards heaven and they're raised in worship. And certainly there's a place for that and it's always appropriate. But can I tell you that this is not the only posture that brings glory and honor to the name of God. God receives, I believe God receives the greater glory in our lives when we put ourselves last and after having raised our hands to heaven in worship, we then move out in a posture of reaching our hands out to share the love of Christ to those around us and thereby show the light of Christ in this world. His delight and the purpose of God's gift in you is that we use our gifts to serve one another. In 1 Corinthians 12, the first seven verses there, Paul writes, and he's writing to the church, and we're going to pull out some excerpts here, but he says this. He says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. God gave me my gift to bless the body. God gave you your gift to bless the body. If you have a prophetic gift, it's not so you could stand in front of people and say, Thus says the Lord, and everybody say, Look at them, they're so in tune with God. But it's so that you could raise a word that edifies and builds up and strengthens the body of Christ. God gave to each one the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And I would add to that, I know I'm not supposed to add to Scripture, but I believe we can pull from that and and kind of extenuate that to say, I believe that God gives us our physical gifts and abilities as well. Not just to hoard unto ourselves, but to be a blessing to other people. To be a blessing to the body. We, we learn from further study of the Corinthian letters that the purpose of spiritual gifts is for the edification or the building up of the body of Christ. Now, Peter tells us this in 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. What did Jesus say to his disciples when they were pondering who would be the greatest in the kingdom? He said to them that the one of you who will be the greatest in the kingdom is the one who's willing to become the least of you and serve the rest. We learn that. It's a paradigm that is, that is shown over and over and over in the scripture. And I just want to hasten to add something here really quick. We've been studying this, this same passage here, 1 Peter 4 in Wednesday night Bible studies. And understand that when Peter says this, that the context of those that, that, they're writing, that he's writing to is that they are in intense persecution and suffering. 
So if you're going through a hard time right now and you're saying, well, listen, I need to take a break from things. I need to draw back on my service to the kingdom. Can I just tell you, you are succumbing to exactly what the adversary planned for your life. Can I tell you that when you're going through hardship, when you're going through trial and adversity, that is not the time to draw back from sharing your gift with the body of Christ. That's the time to press harder and to press further and to give more than you ever have. You say, Pastor, how does all this, we we appreciate the information this morning, but how does all this relate to stewarding the soul? And you see, this, this issue of recognizing and utilizing our gift as it relates to spiritual stewardship is that if we don't use our gifts in an appropriate way, and by appropriate way, I mean in a way that what you have received from Christ, His grace, His goodness, His mercy, if our gifts are not utilized in a way that these things can not only flow into us, but flow through us, then we will begin to stagnate spiritually. If what's flowing into you cannot find a way to flow through you, you will begin to stagnate spiritually. Failure to use your gifts will cause you to become spiritually stagnant. In the gospel, Jesus commissioned a group of people with a ministry venture. And in Matthew chapter 10, he gives them these instructions. And it says, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Give as freely as you have received. Up on the screen, there should be coming next a picture of the beautiful Dead Sea. Man, isn't that gorgeous? Who's ready for vacation? I'm sure that all of you, if you've been in church any length of time, you've heard this illustration, or you've at least heard the scientific data concerning this body of water. This particular body of water sits at the lowest elevation point on earth, several hundred feet beneath sea level. And into this body of water, the Jordan River empties. So the Jordan River is continually flowing in, but the unique thing about this one body of water is that there are no outlets. There there are no outlets. So, So the sea is continually taking in, but it never has anything flowing out. No water flows out, and if you're taking mental notes this morning, I want you to really grab this one here. The only way that water leaves this by any natural means is through evaporation. In other words, the only way that water gets out is as it is dried up. 
Can I tell you that there are a lot of believers in the body of Christ who are continually drinking in and nothing's ever flowing out. And the only way that water ever gets out of them is for it to dry up. And can I tell you also that that's not a healthy position to be in spiritually? As a matter of fact, the consequence of this natural phenomenon that happens in this body of water, as you well know, is that the saline solution here is nearly ten times that of the ocean, resulting in an environment in which neither plant nor animal life can, can be sustained. Nothing lives in this water. Nothing, absolutely nothing, zero life in this water. You say, well, that's a wonderful illustration, but what's the application? The application, as I said, is that there are a lot of believers who are constantly taking in. They're partaking of God's grace. They're partaking of God's goodness and mercy. They're partaking of blessing and, and partaking of the provision but they're never allowing that to flow through them by using their God-given gifts to glorify God and serve others. And the result is that there are a lot of Christians who are looking for revival in their own lives and they're constantly seeking for something more to be poured in. I want to give you a point for consideration here this morning. If you are feeling dry, if you are feeling empty, if you are feeling like you need a revival spiritually in your own life, if your constant prayer is, Lord, please do something more in my life, I believe the reply of the Lord might be to you today, what have you done with what I've already given? And the supply of your personal revival might not be something else being poured into you, but what's being poured out of you that breaks the logjam of your soul and gets the anointing of God flowing in your life again. We are a Pentecostal denomination. We are a Pentecostal fellowship, I'm sorry. And we believe in the, in the work of the Holy Spirit in the full as it's explained in the New Testament. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking with other tongues. And I can remember one, one time in my ministry when I was considering a candidate for a ministry role And the first question that I was posed by those that I was in counsel with in considering this was, well, is he filled with the Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues? And I said, not yet. Not yet. I said, listen, if you will just trust me. The heart is sincere. The passion is there. All the boxes are checked, but this one. And one Sunday morning, God showed me the most powerful thing, and I've never forgotten it since, and probably never will. It was in a Sunday morning worship setting, just as we are now, and I just felt moved of the Spirit. I said, 
Consequently, we made this God the director of our Christian education. In other words, he was in charge of Sunday school. And the worship was going on and the Spirit of the Lord was moving and I just felt so burdened and overwhelmed in that moment and I just thought to myself, we need to pray for all of our teachers. Anybody in this church that has the the duty, the task of standing before other people and expounding the Word of God, we need to pray God's anointing over them. So I went up and before I began to preach, I said, I want to ask our musicians to hang on here for just a few minutes. I want to ask all of you that are teachers, I want to ask you to join me here this morning. And we want to pray especially for you, for your ministries, that God would just move in your life, that God would just bless you, and God would use you abundantly. I said, I'm going to ask our director of Christian Christian education to come and join me, and we're going to We're going to come by and lay hands on you and we're going to believe God for a fresh anointing in your life. We started with person one and we were praying with them and we moved down to person two and three. I was on down the line at six or seven and I heard something behind me. And it was my director of Christian education standing there with his hand on someone else's head, another hand lift to heaven praying fluently in the language that God had just blessed him with in that moment. Listen, Jesus said, and you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Not, not, not to come to church and walk out the back door and high-five one another and say, wow, didn't we have a great service? Can I tell you something? The kingdom of darkness does not tremble because we have a great service. The kingdom of hell trembles when God's people get on their face before him and they raise endued with the power of the Holy Spirit and willing to go out and use their gifts for the glory of God and to serve the body of Christ. Why? Because things are going to happen. Transformations are going to begin to take place. Change is going to happen. And I'm telling you today that the supply of your personal revival might not be that something more is being poured into you, but it may just be because you stop in the foyer on the way out and you grab a serve card and that talent that's been bottled up inside of you that you've been sitting on, you express it and you get involved with the ministry of the body of Christ. And you say, God, I want to be a difference maker. I want to be a world changer. And I'm telling you, as the fresh anointing and the water of the Holy Spirit begins to flow through your life, oh, you know it well, those of you that serve, it's always a greater blessing to you having served others than it is or it feels like to those that you've served. It causes revival. It is the catalyst of revival. And Paul wrote to Timothy regarding his spiritual heritage and he says this, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I want to tell you something today church.
If you're interested in stewarding your inner man, one of the greatest things that you can do is stir up the gift that is in your life. Say, God, use me for your glory. Another translation Paul translates Paul as saying, fan into flame. Fan into flame that gift that God has imparted to you. I speak to you today, today regarding the aspect of spiritual stewardship and the hazard of becoming spiritually stagnant. And I urge you today, prompting with that same prompting, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift that is in you. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.